At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to the amazing Lou Noble. Lou is a medic on movie sets, so photography is just his hobby, and in this conversation we talk about why that's enough for him. We also talk about the pressures of society to monetize everything that you love, his process of taking Polaroid photographs, why he chose to specialize in portrait photography, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Lou. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, uh, my name is Lou Noble. I am a photographer and I run the Photographic Journal. Very cool introduction. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. And I think many of the listeners have come across your work at some point in their lives. You have a very distinct style and I think we'll have a lot of interesting things to discuss. Thank you. What camera equipment do you use? So I use a few cameras. I have a Canon 5D Mark II uh, that I think is around 10 years old at this point. I've got a Polaroid 680 SLR. I actually have three of them in case one or two break down. Um, I have a Sony, what is it, RX100, just for fun. And I also have a Mamiya C330 medium format. Very interesting. I also have the 5D Mark II, so high five virtually. Nice. (laughs) Before we get into photography, I think it's important to talk about your actual job, which I'm very fascinated by. You're a medic on movie sets. How did you get into that and what inspired you to pursue this career? Um, Well, it started, I guess I was around 25 and I was between jobs didn't really have a lot of direction and a friend suggested i become a firefighter he said there was no math involved so that was very appealing 
Um, so to do that in LA, you have to become an EMT and work as an EMT for at least six months. So I took the class while I was uh, working as a nanny. I took the class on weekends and I think it was about three to six months, passed the test, started working with a private ambulance company here in Los Angeles. Um, this might be a bit in the weeds, but here in LA, the LA County Fire Department does not have an ambulance. They don't have any ambulances, so they contract with a private company. So the private company I worked with did 911 calls in addition to what we call inter-facility transports, just taking people to appointments to and fro. So I did that for long enough to realize I didn't want to be a firefighter. And then after a few years of just kind of being uh, an EMT on an ambulance, another a coworker suggested that I try working uh, on film sets. He was doing it and liked it a lot more, thought I'd be good at it, started throwing me a little work. And so I spent several years transitioning from the ambulance to being on film sets. So it was really kind of a job of opportunity. It wasn't something I was seeking. But once I started doing it, I found that I really enjoyed it because uh, it's very laid back. There's a lot less oversight from, you know, a, a supervisor. You don't have to wear a uniform. The film sets are much more kind of my vibe. And uh, so that's how I ended up doing that. Very interesting. And do you find that movie sets inspire you or have some kind of effect on you as a photographer? Because they tend to be so detailed and colorful. Or am I wrong? <laughs> no, uh, you know, not maybe not for the reasons one would expect. Usually we go to interesting locations and the locations are very inspiring or we'll be shooting at interesting times of day. Uh, you know, yesterday we were shooting, you know, right from, uh, I think it was like 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. So I got to see dusk and, and sunset and that kind of golden hour. Little things. There was a high winds last night. The wind was so intense that you could see the particles in the lights we were using. And that was, you know, that really kind of engaged my creative brain. Uh, the people we work with, you know, as a portraiture artist, it's really faces that I'm inspired by. And I get to see and run across so many people. Uh, it's not uncommon that I'll ask someone, not while we're shooting, but you know, after the shoot is over, you know, during my downtime, if I can take their picture, I made several friends, you know, a bunch of friends from my years working in Hollywood. And uh, it's not uncommon that I'll, that I'll take their picture when I can. That's really cool. And it seems like you're the kind of person slash artist who notices details, as you said, you know, the way that particles appear under lights or it's, it's really nice to have that side while you're working because then you're also nurturing that creative side of yours yeah um i was actually talking to someone at work they were kind of dissatisfied with with where they were in their career and i i suggested that they find some kind of artistic practice to do when they weren't working something that makes going to work easier because you know when you get home you can write or draw or take pictures or set up a shoot or set up, a, he wanted to set up a short film, something like that. Um, you know, I, I've always been inspired by uh, the idea that, you know, you, you don't have to be taking pictures to be a photographer. You don't have to be 
doing art every moment to consider yourself an artist that sometimes being an artist means taking the downtime to kind of process the things you've taken in to think about art to read about art to just engage in the world through an artistic lens i've actually never looked at it from that perspective before so thank you for sharing i mean to me in my mind it's like if i'm not actively productively doing something towards my art then it's not art but if you're even thinking about it or daydreaming that's also creative in some ways so yeah it's an interesting perspective yeah i've i've really gotten into this idea in the past I don't know, five six years the idea that you have to constantly be producing is is not all that art is that art is about a state of mind about how you engage with the world that you don't have to be producing to be an artist i think that notion is very tied into you know our current societies our current kind of like capitalistic structure uh, you know from a kid from when i was a kid it was always like what are you going to be what are you going to do mm-hmm. people are all thinking, uh, but here's a great example i was telling someone about the photographic journal the other day and they're like have you monetized it because to so many people it's so important that if you do something have a monetary result that it give you back something and i, I think a lot of that is due to People not, you know, being kind of financially insecure and, and things not being as, as safe in the world. People want to be feel like what they're doing means something. And the way they can do that is is it gives them money. But for me, and of course you can cut all that stuff out if it's boring. For me, it's much more about a state of being, about how you engage with the world, how you look at the world. I think it was. Dorothea Lang, who said that, you know, like the camera teaches you to see without a camera. Yeah, it's it's a very profound thought. And it's very important And more conversations should be had like this because we overwork ourselves, even if photography is just a hobby of ours. We feel like we need to monetize it or we feel like we need to make a certain name for ourselves. And that leads to unnecessary stress. It's self-imposed stress. And it's yeah. just nonsensical. It's, I think it's unsustainable. You know, you, you end up burning out. Um, you know, a lot of people, well, it used to be that people would ask me if they should become professional, if they should, you know, do it for money. And because they've been taught that it's not enough to just get satisfaction from your art to be fulfilled by doing something, the fulfillment has to come from some kind of financial gain. But, um, I would tell most people that, you know, it's not necessary to be a professional to be one, an artist, and it's not necessary to be a professional to be fulfilled by the things you do. You know, we we do sports, we run, and no one ever asks if we should be making money doing those things. Exactly, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, if we do certain sports every day, we exercise, nobody says you should join the Olympics or you should make money out of it. You're right, yeah. But yeah, especially... you find a, a partner to be with, no one asks if you know they're making you any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would be strange, but with hobbies, then immediately that becomes a question. It's like, right. are you monetizing it? This, this could be a good business idea. And for right. some people, definitely, definitely could be. 
good business yeah. idea, but I think some people are just not into that. We don't shouldn't feel obliged to make a business yeah. out of everything we love. Yeah, I, I think that's you know, if you if you love it, that can be enough. Exactly. Can be enough, yes. In 2011, you traveled in the U.S. to interview and photograph couples in long-term relationships. Why did you choose to focus on long-term relationships for that project? And what was the biggest lesson you learned from that experience? Well, um, you know, I guess it's been, oh God, 10 years now. You know, originally the idea was kind of given to me because uh, a friend of mine worked at Kickstarter, which at the time was a very small company. And they were really just kind of uh, doing much smaller projects. And she suggested I do one. I didn't really have an idea for anything. And she said it, you know, it wasn't that important what the idea was, as long as it was something kind of larger scale than what I've been doing. And I guess at the time, it, couples were something that I wasn't really good at. You know, I, I've always kind of focused on one person at a time. So that I found that a challenge and once i started thinking about that challenge you know long couples who have been in long-term relationships seem to me to have more insight to what makes for a successful relationship so then i began to craft the project in terms of what i learned the biggest lesson that has stuck with me that whole time is that it's in a relationship it's not super important to always be right mm -hmm that it's more important to be happy, to find consensus, to find a middle ground if necessary, that you are a team rather than two independent people trying to vie for supremacy. Mm -hmm. And that's a very interesting thought. And you said that you were mostly used to photographing just individuals, so it must have been intimidating for you to dive into that project, but you still did that anyway. So. I guess, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really find myself intimidated all that often mm -hmm. when it comes to photography, only because there's not, you, you can't really fail. Um, something that I've learned when taking on other kind of skills, learning to serve or Tai Chi or what have you, is that even when you don't succeed, there's still a lot to be learned, and there's actually more to be learned when you don't succeed. So even uh, a failure is still helpful. Uh, they call it investing in loss, that you can gain more from when you mess up than when you accidentally succeed. So I, I, I was excited by the challenge of trying to learn how to photograph more frame and, and what that dynamic was about and what that kind of relationship to my subjects would be about. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good perspective. Yeah, I've been struggling with this myself for a while now because I've been taking photos for so many years and I have this style. And sometimes I'm afraid that my next photo shoot will be a failure and I won't get any photos out of it. And so that really holds me back. So it's nice to know that a failure is an even better opportunity to learn. You still get something from it. That's right. You should have come to me early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're worried when I need some inspiration. <laughs> but you, how did you go about photographing those couples? I mean, the dynamic between, between two people, it's, it's not always easy to photograph. No, 
and you know, looking back, I, I, I see a lot of ways I could have done it better. I, at the time, I was shooting with just the 5D and the medium format. Um, Polaroid was kind of like in a in between phase. They stopped making it, and uh, the company that eventually ended up restarting that process slash product wasn't really making film just yet. So I had just a few boxes of, of expiring Polaroid film. So it was really about going in, kind of setting up my camera on a tripod and engaging the couples in conversation and looking for the shots while we were talking, which in hindsight, not the best way to get uh, a portrait of two people. I got stuff that I thought was decent, solid. I, I rarely achieved uh, the kind of portrait that I strive to. Hmm. And what would you what would you do differently now? Uh, I think now I'd I'd be much more about having the conversation, doing the interview, and then once we were done, setting up a, a much more structured shoot. Hmm. Issues was that I was traveling across the country, so I didn't have control over location. You know, I'd come into a city, I'd meet them normally at their homes, and I'd kind of have to hope for the best and, and work with what I had, which, you know, I, I, I'm not bad at, but ideally I can scout out ahead of time, find the location we could shoot at or, you know, rent a studio. Back then I wasn't um, as financially secure as I am now. Now, if I could do, if I did the whole thing over again today, it'd be a much more structured project. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Our 365 Days of Photography course is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step -step format, which is very easy to follow. The course is presented in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. Each lesson is around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others in the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we're offering a very special discounted price of $199. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at least back then you got to learn 
even more about thinking on your feet and doing oh, things quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't regret it at all. I thought it was a, a great experience. Um, it was my first time cross yeah, country. The photos, were, the photos were great. I think you posted those on Flickr, if I'm not mistaken. It's a blog. Posted a few, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've always kept the majority of them uh, either you know, pretty much private just to, to live in the book that was eventually made. And then the book was only given in a very limited uh, number. Mm -hmm. in, in that way, it was kind of an intimate project. Mm -hmm. And what advice would you give to photographers who want to work on their own long-term photography projects? Mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, one, be very kind of intentional about what you want to do from the outset. Is, you know, spend the time in pre-production, as it were, because the more you can plan ahead of time the less you'll be kind of taken by surprise by something that happens the smoother the process will be and also think about something think about a project idea that you will be happy living with for a long period of time you know it's not uncommon for people to start projects and end up bored halfway through because they're not as dynamic as they expected yeah yeah Definitely pre-production is really important. You really have to think things through and have realistic goals as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a hobbyist, you don't need to worry about making money as a photographer, as you said, but you still have an online presence and that comes with its own set of challenges, as everybody knows. What do you struggle with the most when it comes to presenting yourself online as a photographer? Uh, you know, it's, it's always a kind of a, a tension between wanting to post as often as you feel like it and the knowledge that you can kind of overwhelm your audience and the different platforms allow for kind of a different kind of volume but it's it's always a struggle for me to hold back and i think in the end the decision by sites to gauge, you know, to allow you to see your own statistics and gauge your own popularity was probably um, a mistake <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it was much more fun when you could just post as much as you want and not have to worry about engagement or, you know, how your online persona was being judged. The, the early days of photo sharing still for me the most uh, interesting the most fertile because they were very much just about sharing art between enthusiasts and professionals you know the early days you'd have people who had day jobs right next to people who were professional photographers and everyone was just sharing their art as much as they wanted yeah the good old days especially <laughs> <the old> flicker days <laughs> yeah definitely and yeah we social media requires so much overthinking to a certain degree because then you have to see how you present yourself as you said does it look good on the grid mm. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. it's a lot of thinking you know the the small tricks and tips that have been passed around over the years about how to maximize your mm -hmm. presence it's all the business it takes away from the art I don't think anyone's being made a better photographer because they're they know about how to vary their grid or how often to post or what kind of description 
brings them the most engagement. You know, I think I think all that stuff is kind of antithetical to art. I agree. Yeah, it's it just adds more stress, and yeah. it can be really unnecessary. Like some people thrive off of that, but me personally, it's just yeah, I can't be bothered to think about how I appear online. I just want to create art and share it as much yeah. as I can. Yeah, I think yeah. the people thrive. It's not because of their artistic impulses. They thrive because they can navigate kind of a, a social world. They're very social people. They're mm-hmm. interested in the more kind of Byzantine social dynamics. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They have a different set of skills. Yeah. Yeah. But for you, it's clear that you do everything from the heart. Like on Flickr, almost every image of yours is accompanied by a very long and thoughtful, introspective description, something about your life or your work or the photo shoot. So I think that gives your followers a very immersive experience and a very clear idea of who you are as an artist. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, there was a time I didn't do that, and I kind of regret that. You know, I do like looking back and seeing what I was thinking, what was going on at the time. I also think it helps me think about the photos when I have to, when, I mean, I set myself with the criteria that I have to write something for every photo. It helps different creative juices flowing right yeah you make memories that you can look back on and then you also have this opportunity to express yourself using a different medium so it's very very nice you are known for your polaroid photos like you have photos that you sent me it has uh it's a photo of you with just a whole room filled Uh, with hundreds of polaroids it's just a stunning sight uh, and you also produce digital work as well. So I'm curious to know, in your photo shoots, during your shoots, do you intentionally use a Polaroid camera and digital camera at the same time, or do you just go with the flow? Yeah, every shoot, I'll bring probably at least three to four cameras. The Polaroid always comes with. The, mm-hmm. the goal is to get a few good Polaroids for every shoot. Um you know, I don't structure the shoot as this is the Polaroid time and this is the digital time. I usually start with the Polaroid and then uh, and then it's very free-flowing after that. But I'm always, during shoots, you know, the, there is a part of the brain that's always thinking about, you know, which camera is right for any particular moment. And I'll switch back and forth pretty frequently. And when do you decide that a certain moment is appropriate for a Polaroid shot, for example? Well, you know, um, when I see the, the Polaroid film today is, is a little sensitive. So, I, you know, there are some environments that, that will overwhelm it. Too much sunlight will overwhelm the image. So if I see, you know, kind of a nice portrait with, a, you know, diffused light, a certain expression that the subject has, then I'll have them hold it, and that's when I'll pull out the Polaroid. Um, over the years, I've really kind of figured out for myself, you know, which cameras work for the best kind of situations. The digital's fun for a more free-flowing, fast uh, situation. The the medium format comes out when I've got this kind of beautiful still scene in front of me. Polaroid is when I've got a nice close-up portrait that I'm seeing in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm, so you have an intuitive routine of your own, which is nice. Yeah, thank you. You mentioned that you are the editor-in-chief of the Photographic Journal, and you've also mentioned that you like to surf. 
you're a medic as well. You have so many things going on. How do you juggle all of this without burning yourself out? I've got a lot of uh, free time. I, you know, when I work on set, most of that time is spent uh, doing whatever I want. I, I'm basically uh, a living fire extinguisher in terms of my utility on set. I sit there if and when something happens, then I will act. But until then, I'm pretty much left to myself. So, you know, most of the day I'll be reading or start learning Spanish. Um, and it made uh, working with and, and eventually helping to run the journal pretty easy because I had all this free time during the day. And then because my job is freelance, you know, I'll work on a project for four or five weeks. And then after that, I can schedule as much time off as I want. So for this particular job, I'm doing five weeks and then I figure I'll take you know, two to three weeks off and surf. And that kind of flexibility allows me also to indulge in my other hobbies uh, as much as I want. Mm. You know, it's, for me, it's, it's easy when I, when I talk to other people, I, I do tell them that, you know, you have to really kind of prioritize your own happiness and your own satisfaction. And if that means maybe making a little less money or working a little less, then I, I, I always think it's, it's vital to do that. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, there's this, as we've discussed before, this pressure perhaps from society to always be making a lot of money, you know, hustle culture, but right. sometimes it, it doesn't benefit you. Most of the time it doesn't because you're doing things that you don't want to do and you're burning yourself out. And ultimately it's not going to help anyone, especially not you. So yeah, it's a good mentality to have to prioritize yeah. your happiness, prioritize your free time, your relaxation, because that's what will make you ultimately a good artist and a good worker. Yeah, I think even within kind of the frame of our, our hustle culture, you know, you can, you can argue that there needs to be time to relax, to let everything settle so that you can make better work, so you can create better art, so that you can be, if you want, more productive. If you're, if you know, if you've got your foot on the gas at all times, you're going to burn the engine out. Exactly. Yeah, you need to rest. That's very important. That's the main lesson of this uh, episode. <laughs> Give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. Exactly. Well, you've told so many stories through your work over the years. There was the long-term project that focused on couples and so many other projects. Is there a story that you haven't told yet that you're excited to document in the near future? Um. You know, as, as you know, mainly because of the pandemic, I haven't been shooting nearly as much, and it, it gave me a lot of time to reflect on what I've been shooting in the past few years. I've moved away from shooting models for the most part. And I've gotten more interested in shooting people I work with and people I engage with socially. In terms of stories, you know, I, I don't ever really look for a story to document. It always, for me, starts with a person that I'm interested in, that I'm curious about, uh, that I don't know about. A lot of the reason I take pictures is to learn about other people, to engage with other people. You know, I've always had in my head the idea of photographing more of my family, people I'm not as acquainted with. Uh, will I ever do it? I don't know. But... I've always thought of that as kind of the ultimate project of mine to 
photograph as much of my family as possible. You know, does that create a single story? No, I, I've always thought of it more as kind of creating a mosaic of like, this is where I extend out into, this is what made me, this is the other people that I grew up with, more of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So a visual family tree. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really interesting, and I hope you do that in the future because, I mean, photographing your own family is very different to photographing even friends or models because it's just, it's its own set of challenges. It's interesting because yeah. you have close relationship, maybe not close relationship with a family member, and yeah, the dynamic is very different. Yeah, it's it's kind of the, the, the big hurdle is always how they already view you is separate from the photographer. So having to you know, establish the dynamic that you're a photographer and that you're going to capture them accurately is, is sometimes difficult to get across. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's a worthy project. I would love to see your photos of your family if you would be willing to share them on Flickr. <laughs> One day. One day, yes. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Lou, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, God, you know, I've, I've never really looked at it much in terms of achievement. Um, but, you know, thinking about the question, uh, one thing I've always wanted to try is serve photography. So, so hopefully one day I get to pull that off. Uh, the, the challenges of it seem very intriguing to me a lot more movement and motion you have to be a lot faster you also have to engage with the environment while you're shooting watching out for waves making sure you don't get swept under that kind of thing the results i've been looking at surf photography lately online and just seen some beautiful beautiful work yeah that's a very exciting genre of photography very challenging i think you would do a great job oh, thank you well, Lou, thank you so much for your time. I learned so much from you, and I'm very happy that we had this conversation. And, yeah, I'm sure the listeners are very inspired by your story. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a, had a great time. Me too. Thank you. I had an amazing experience talking to Lou, and to be very honest, right after that interview, I had a few fun photo shoots of my own that I really enjoyed for the first time in a long time. And that's all thanks to his perspective on photography. So I think that's the power of talking to different people, of listening to photography conversations. It's very important for us to come together and to support one another as much as we can. So I hope you got something out of this interview as well. And I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. <laughs>